Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, and today I'm premiering the first ever BFP matchmaking, best fight picks matchmaking here on the YouTube channel for free. We were doing it before on Daily Fan MMA Radio with Kyle Marley, with Brett Apley, with Sun Tzu, but now I'm moving it to my YouTube channel, so I'm kind of excited about this. Uh, this is going to be a free show every single week after the fights. Uh, for the time being until daily fan MMA goes on a bigger platform, which is in the works right now, but basically slightly different from after the battle, you know, it's not going to be a straight up recap. Instead, it's going to be me matching up all the winners uh, from this last weekend's card between hall and Silva and uh, taking it from there. So this is going to be kind of fun to do every single week. I'm going to give a matchup of who I think these guys should fight. And then I'm going to set my own odds for it. And y'all tell me what you think about the matchups in the comments. You'll tell me wh where you'd personally line it. And uh, we'll take it from there. So obviously, Hall defeated Silva. And man, not only is no one exempt from that first L, but no, no one is exempt from father time either. And uh, we'll get to that here in a sec. But first up, I just had to mention that support for half the battle is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineer tools for your family jewels. And you guys already know the deal. You don't want to deal with any accidents while grooming. You don't want to deal with any bullshit. You want to get right down to business, get in and out and get the job done effectively. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 which is what i'm holding right here their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents and when i tell you this is premium i mean premium the battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave and the waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower as well and one of the coolest features is the led light and you see this right here you see this light this thing is so fucking badass it takes away all the guessing work because this led light it illuminates grim, uh, grooming areas for a closer more precise trimming and they've also upgraded the 7000 rpm motor with quiet stroke technology and let's not forget about the charging stand show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by usb and if you're listening to me speak right now i want you to experience it firsthand so let's get that bush to tush clean get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code BATTLE20, all caps, BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. Make your testies their besties. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code BATTLE20 with all caps. Your balls will thank you. Now, guys and ladies, let's get right down to business because Uriah Hall defeated the great Anderson Silva. And, man, I was kind of low-key hoping that, you know, they could have a bit of a sparring match and, you know, Anderson could kind of weasel out a decision and do the whole bit. But it seemed like it was going that way until he got touched on the chin. You know what I mean? So it didn't even matter uh, that uh, they were having a sparring match. Uriah Hall, you know, it's kind of like what Shaq was saying on the show. And by the way, if you all missed the show because, you know, Tropical Storm Zeta knocked out our power, I uploaded it yesterday. I know it's after the fact, so it might be a pain in the ass. But if you want to go back and listen for entertainment purposes, to hear who we were on and all that stuff, go ahead and do so. But that being said, Hall went out there and he defeated Anderson Silva. So that's a big win on his resume. Now he's got knockout wins over Gegard Mousasi. He's got a knockout win over Anderson Silva, knocked out Chris Jocko. So he's got some good wins uh, on his belt. And I want to match him up with a top 10 guy. You know, he was supposed to fight Jacare. He was supposed to fight Yoel. Those fights never happened. A bunch of the top 10 guys are booked, but there's one guy that wasn't booked. They were initially supposed to fight. How about Uriah Hall? 
versus Yoel Romero. I feel like, you know, they're at similar points in their careers, just in the sense that they're meeting around the same spot because Uriah Hall, obviously, you know, he's on a bit of a win streak now. He's trying to move up the ranks, whereas Yoel Romero was recently in the uh, the number one contender position. So he's kind of moving back. So they're kind of meeting in the middle of the rankings. And I, I think that this is a, this is this is a good spot for uh, for both guys to see exactly where they're at. You know, if you get a win over uh, a guy like Yoel Romero, only the top echelon has been able to do so. And for Yoel Romero, if he can get a win over a Hall, I mean, uh, I mean, listen, that gets him back in the win column. Any win is a good win, and it lets people know that hey, even at forty plus years of age, I'm still here. So my boy Daniel Edwards says, how could not hate to be Mr. After the fact, but come on, how could anyone pick Silva? Durability isn't there. I mean, I was just kind of hoping he won because I love Anderson Silva and I was hoping they'd have a little sparring match. And, you know, if he got knocked down, that Uriah would help him back up. They'd bow, high five, do the whole bit. Didn't go that way, but I didn't put my money on Silva. Make no mistake about that. But back to this, Uriah Hall versus Yoel Romero. I think that's the fight to make, man. And as far as a line is concerned, let me see if they had a previous line on that matchup um because i'm actually kind of curious uh where they would have initially lined it i'm typing in hall romero real quick to see if uh if they had anything initially so i don't see any odds but i'm guessing uh that you're uh excuse me that yoel romero would be a slight favorite uh in that spot you know what i mean just because of the level of competition he's beat um and, and you still have to be a certain level to beat a guy like uh yoel romero and you know, Hall, he's he's beating some of the best guys on planet Earth. It's just about the consistency with a guy like Uriah Hall. So I want to see Uriah Hall versus Yoel Romero. I think that's the fight to make. I would I would open it minus 150 to minus 175 for uh, Yoel Romero. What do you all think about that, li that line? You all think those are some good odds? Would you all lay the chalk there on, uh, on Yoel or would you uh, take an underdog shot on Uriah Hall? Let me know in the comments below. But that's the fight I want to see. I think that's the fight that makes sense. And, uh, yeah. So next up, Bryce Mitchell defeated Andre Feely. And like I was saying in the pre-fight show, and again, if you missed the pre-fight show, I posted it yesterday. So go back and check it out. And also I'm doing a, another show on line movement MMA. So I was able to get a pick out in time and I picked Bryce Mitchell here because look, if you're a top 15 guy, you're going to come out here and beat Andre Feely. If you're not a top 15 guy, Andre Feely will let you know right away that, Hey, you're not quite ready for the top 15 because Andre Feely is the perfect gatekeeper to not just the top 15, but honestly to, uh, to the top 20. So I felt like, I feel like he gives that perfect litmus test for anyone trying to move up the rankings. You know, Calvin Cater, he passed the test with flying colors. Yair Rodriguez, he passed it. Sodik Yusuf passed it. But when a guy like Shaman Marais tried to enter the mix, he didn't pass it. It was a, a serious, um, a serious fork in the road when Shaman Marais try to get into the top 15 rankings. So yeah, Andre Feely will let you know exactly where you stand. And Bryce Mitchell, he passed that test, man. I mean, his control on the mat to hold a guy like Feely down the way he did. Well, welcome to the top 15, son. I know officially he was number 15 going into this fight, but now it's legitimized for me. I, I felt like, you know, going into it, it might've just been off hype. Whereas don't get me wrong. The performances were great, but you know, Charles Rosa and Matt sales, no disrespect to them, but they're not top 15 guys. Andre Feely is a top 20 guy. He got this win. He belongs now. So I want to see a fight between two guys that don't like each other. And that's uh, Bryce Mitchell and Dan Ige. They got a longstanding beef. This would be the first, you know, serious test in the top 15 for Bryce Mitchell. And, and they got interesting styles because 
Dan Ige is hell on wheels in that first round. Tends to take the second round off in a lot of his fights. Comes back strong in that third. And a guy like Mitchell, you start to slow down on a guy like Bryce Mitchell. And, I mean, he's going to take you down. He's going to grind you out. He might even submit you. So, man, I, I'm just very intrigued by that matchup. Uh, and they don't like each other, so they can talk a little shit in the pre-fight, uh, make it fun for the fans. So, Mitchell versus Ige is the fight I want to see next for Bryce. And I'm thinking... I'm thinking maybe minus 110 apiece. I'm thinking to pick him maybe minus 115 for Ige, maybe minus 105 for Bryce Mitchell. But regardless, somewhere around to pick him. Y'all let me know in the comments, um, where would y'all line a potential matchup between Bryce and Ige? And do me a favor, go ahead and retweet my tweet so we can get some more people on here and uh, you know let the, uh, and have them let me know where they would line this fight between uh, Ige and Mitchell. So, I think that's the fight to make. I want to see Ige and Mitchell. Let's see what y'all have to say about it. Marcin says Ige would win, in my opinion. Well, listen, Ige is obviously the higher-ranked guy at this point. He's been in a UFC main event before. But listen, going into this Feely fight, I know Feely was the popular underdog play for everybody. I mean, not for me. I picked Mitchell, but a lot of people were picking Feely. I saw people max-banning Feely, saying he should be a favorite in that spot. So... Bryce Mitchell, like sometimes when you have the kind of hype he does and, you know, you got the camo shorts, people act like his fighting hasn't been doing the talking. People think that he's just a hype machine. Uh, his fighting has been doing the talking as far as I'm concerned, man. So I, I personally would line it a, a pick him, but it, it'd just be interesting to see uh, where the fans, what the fans would do with that and also how the fight would play out. You know, three rounds versus five rounds, two completely different things. So I want to see Mitchell versus Ige next. And uh, for Feely... You guys already know the role that Feely's in. Feely is the prospect tester. That's what he's going to be. That's what he is. And he lets you know exactly if you're ready for the top 20, for the top 15 or not. So there's an upcoming matchup between Billy Q, Billy Quarantilo, and Gavin Tucker. And I think the winner of that should move up and, and fight Andre Feely next. I think the winner is going to earn a matchup uh, against Andre Feely next. And that's honestly what I want to see. Unless y'all can think of uh, another... Uh, like another type of prospect match, uh, you know, to 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 for Feely to test out, but that's the one I'm thinking of. Matt says E Gavers Hall is going to be booked soon. Uh, you got you got any sources confirming that, or are you just thinking that? Because I I wasn't aware that Hall was taking a fight anytime soon. But I like that fight, but I like my fight better. So we're we're pulling for Bryce Mitchell versus uh, versus Dan Ige over here. But guys, so I said Feely should test out the winner of Billy Quarantillo and Gavin Tucker. Listen, I feel like Gavin Tucker, he's got a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He's got a nice uh, little point-fighting style on the feet. He's been going out here, been impressive since the Rick Glenn loss. And for Billy Q, he's been undefeated in the UFC. He's been doing his thing. So, yeah, Billy Q, if he can get a win over uh, Gavin Tucker, that's the fight to make right there. Um you know, Billy Q versus Feely or, or Gavin Tucker versus Feely. Marcin says he wants to see Feely versus Amir Khani. I mean, I guess, but like Amir Khani isn't really like some emerging prospect that we're trying to test again into the top 20. Uh, Amir Khani is kind of like, you know, middle of the, you know, top 30. He's a decent grappler, but when, when I match up Feely with these guys, and I'm talking as if I'm the matchmaker, but here on BFP matchmaking, I only want to see Feely test guys who are on the entry level to the top 20 guys that are close to the rankings but we need to kind of give them that gatekeeper litmus test to know if they're going to be ready to be ranked one day or not and i feel like out of all the featherweight prospects right now 
Gavin Tucker and Billy Q are right up there. They put together the win streaks. They put together the performances. And this is a prospect showdown. Winner's going to move in. So that's what I want to see. Kind of like a maybe like a lesser version of that fight between Casey Kenny and um, and Nathaniel Wood. You know, I, Marcin just just brought up a really good matchup. Uh, Hakim Duwadu versus Andre Feely. I like that as well. I think that's a good test for uh, for Hakim Duwadu. Uh, Ludovic Klein, good good suggestion as well. Um, but the reason that I'm going with uh, Billy Q and Tucker is just because they've kind of proven themselves a little bit more. They got more wins under their belt inside the UFC. They're literally right there on the cusp. But at all those options, I do like the Hakeem Duwadu on a lot. So I think, uh, yeah, so let's see. Let's let's line it. So Billy Q versus Philly versus Feely. Billy Q's got a lot of hype right now, especially if he comes out here and gets this fourth win in a row, I believe it would be. Um, you might you might see Billy Q as a slight favorite over Feely, like maybe minus 135 to minus 150. Tucker and Feely would be a little bit closer. I think that might be a pick maybe a slight lean on Andre Feely. And then Hakeem Duwadu and Feely, I think Hakeem Duwadu would be, you know, under two to one, but he'd be a favorite there. So the closest line matchup out of all those would be um, the Gavin Tucker versus Feely fight. But yeah, uh, so those are the three suggestions I think are the best. Feely versus Billy Q, Feely versus Gavin Tucker, or Feely versus Hakeem Duwadu. Tell me what y'all think. So Kevin Holland, he went out there. He ran through uh, this kid Ontiveros. And I mean, listen, I thought there was value at minus 600. He should have been minus 1,000 in this spot against a kid like Ontiveros. I'm just glad Ontiveros wasn't seriously hurt, man, because that was a mismatch and a half. And I want to go ahead and match him up with the guy he was originally supposed to fight, which is Mahmoud Muradov. I felt like that presented an interesting challenge. That's a good test for both guys. Stylistically, it's a hell of a fight. You guys already know Mahmoud Muradov, the first ever fighter to be uh, to be represented by Floyd Mayweather, which is which is kind of a unique deal in itself. You know what I mean? And he does have some good boxing for MMA standards. So I, I felt like him and Holland was going to be a great fight. I was curious to see if Holland could get away with the same stuff that he gets away with in a lot of his fights there against a, uh, you know, a guy like Mahmoud Muradov, who, like I said, his boxing for MMA standards is very, very on point. But Holland, he plays that long man game really well. And I think one day Holland's going to be getting some big fights. You know, he's already planting the seeds, calling out the champ Israel Adesanya, which I know he's not going to get that next. But the fact that he's like, you know, playing the seeds and letting people know, hey, these are the goals I'm striving for. After he puts together that win streak, then they're going to replay that footage uh, if he can make it to a title shot one day. But until then, he's got to keep, you know, getting some more experience, getting some more wins and keep putting on the performances. And I think Muradov not only provides him with a test, um, it's a winnable fight for both guys, but both guys take a step up with a win there. You know, Muradov's undefeated in the UFC. He's got the hype behind him with the Floyd Mayweather Association. And uh, obviously, Holland has been a winning machine uh, in the UFC. So I like that matchup. I, I do one day want to see Holland in the top 15, but not quite yet. I think he needs to, you know, iron out a couple wrinkles in his game. Uh, you know, that last fight um, between him and Darren Stewart. Now, I thought that he definitely won the fight, but there were a lot of things that, you know, I, I thought. Well, firstly, if you want to be 100% as far as the Kevin Holland versus, um, versus Darren Stewart fight is concerned, you know, Kevin Holland walked in there with two knee braces. So I could tell right away, oh, shit, he's injured. And I knew right away my bet might have been in jeopardy. Thank God he won the fight anyways. But 
you know, here he ran through Ontiveros like he's supposed to. And I like Kevin Holland a lot, but now let's test him some more. So I want to see the Murdoch booking once again. And, and I think the line would honestly be around where it was, you know, minus 170 for Holland, minus, to minus 150 for Holland, maybe minus 185, the absolute worst. Uh, but yeah, I definitely think, you know, slightly above 60%, 65% or so. Uh, I think that's kind of accurate for Kevin Holland. So. What do y'all think? Y'all want to see that Murdoff fight? I just feel like they got to run it back. They got unfinished business. And again, it's a it's a fight that provides a test for both guys, lets you know exactly where they're at. So that's the fight I want to see. So Tiago Moises, he went out there, he defeated Bobby Green. Great job. Um, you know, a lot of people didn't agree with the decision, but listen, man, um, despite who you scored it for, I was just kind of happy to see Tiago Moises kind of rise to the occasion and fight tough. Cause one of the things I was worried about with him is that sometimes he kind of shuts down, you know, when, when someone's not afraid of him, when someone stands up to him, when someone goes out there, gets in his face and shows him, Hey, I'm the boss. And Bobby green tried to punk him out from the second, the bell rang. He was talking to him the entire fight. And Tiago Moises didn't get punked out this time. Tiago Moises, you know, it was always a thing where, you know, people from Tiago Moises' camp have been telling us for years, hey, this kid's a world champion in the gym. He just doesn't put it together in the fights. So I think that now this was this was a big, you know, like a weight off his shoulders. Like this was a step in the right direction. So there's a lot of options you can take. Uh, I see someone suggesting the Hernandez matchup, and I thought about that too, but I kind of want to take them in, in separate paths. You know, I there was a matchup between Tiago Moises and Jalen Turner that was supposed to happen a couple months back. I kind of want to see that fight. You know, I feel like they have unfinished business similar to one of the fights we talked about earlier. And it provides a very good challenge for both guys. I mean, listen, Jalen Turner is the tallest man in the weight class right now, six foot three. If they don't do the Jalen Turner versus Joel Alvarez fight, I got to see Jalen Turner versus Tiago Moises. Um, so obviously Jalen Turner would have a big reach advantage there, but I think that Tiago Moises has a big edge on the mat. So it would kind of be striker versus grappler. But you guys also know Turner's been knocked out more than once. And if Moises can just get his confidence together standing, I mean, the guy kicks extremely hard. He punches really hard. And I was worried going to the Bobby Green fight that Bobby kind of fights with his hands down. So that's what that was my big area of concern there. And he was able to capitalize on some spots like that, uh, Tiago was. I knew he wasn't going to tap him out or grind him out. But, you know, when you fight with your hands down and the guy's 10 years younger than you, or just period, a UFC-level fighter, you know, it doesn't always uh, result to, to dubs, and it didn't Saturday night. So good job by Tiago Moises. I want to see them run it back in terms of, you know, they were supposed to fight. Tiago had to pull out, you know, due to COVID. So Tiago Moises versus Jalen Turner. And I think it would be lying slightly closer than it was the first time. You know, I, I think that the first time it was like plus 165 for Jalen Turner. I think that both guys have been impressive off their last performances. I think that this time it would be like, you know, maybe, maybe minus 135 Tiago Moises, maybe minus 140 Tiago Moises. But then again, the hype of this win could could take him to minus 200. But I don't, I don't quite think so because I think Jalen is the guy the fans respect a lot, the betting public respects a lot, especially coming off that very dominant win over uh, Brock Weaver. So let's see Tiago Moises versus Jalen Turner. I'm thinking minus 140 for uh, Tiago Moises there. So Alexander Hernandez, I know y'all were looking forward to this. Y'all wanted me to match him up with Tiago Moises, and I like that fight a lot, but I kind of want to go in a different direction. So initially, I was thinking, you know, maybe Demiris Magulov, maybe Armand Sarukian, and I like those fights too. But the more I thought about it, what about what about uh, Alexander Hernandez versus Nazrat Hakparest? I, I think that that actually makes a lot of sense. 
Um, you know, both have the recent loss to Drew Dober, but both got back on track. And stylistically, it, it's a lot of fun. Both throw bombs on the feet. Maybe you could say Hernandez has a bit of a you know, wrestling edge there, but Nazra hits extremely hard. He's very fast. He's very young, too. And this would be the kind of fight where it wouldn't be a boring fight, firstly. And we'll let you know exactly where these guys are because I want to see Hernandez not quite in a top 15 fight, but in one of those you know showdowns to get to the top 15. I feel like that's been a common theme we've been talking about on the show today. You know, kind of like, Billy Q versus Tucker. That's a showdown to get into the top 15. Kind of like we talked about a couple weeks ago with Casey Kenny and Nathaniel Wood. That's a showdown to get into the top 15. So I want to see Hernandez versus Nazareth, which would also be a showdown to get into the top 15. So I think that's the way to go. As far as a line, I personally would set uh, Nazareth Hackbrast a favorite, maybe even a minus 170 favorite, but I'm not quite convinced that the public agrees with me on that one. I think that Hernandez has a lot of hype, especially coming off a quick knockout again. Uh, maybe the quick knockout can override some people's past feelings for him, which I personally thought the Benil Dariush fight was a fluke. You know, I think if they fight 10 times, Benil wins nine out of those, and I thought every fight after that was very underwhelming until the Chris Gritzmacher fight. But we must acknowledge that Chris Gritzmacher was a massive step down compared to the guys that Hernandez was already fighting. So, yeah, uh, that that's where it gets kind of interesting with the recency bias and factoring all those things into the equation. So I uh, I want to see the Nazareth fight. Matt Drucker says you could do Hernandez versus Leo Santos. Yeah, but then we'd have to wait like three years because, you know, Leo only fights once every couple of years. So, I mean, I like I like any fight with Leo Santos, but... Uh, I'm, I'm trying to match up active fighters and that's not a shot at my boy Leo Santos at all. It's just the reality is he fights once every million years. So let's, uh, let, let, let's, let's keep two guys who are active and that's a uh, Nazrat and uh, Alexander Hernandez. So y'all agree with my minus 170 line there for, uh, for Nazrat, you think it would be closer? You think it'd be wider or do you actually think that, uh, that Hernandez would be a favorite in that spot coming off the first round knockout? So y'all let me know now. Yanez, Yanez, Adrian Yanez, that is man. Great job. I mean, the kid was super impressive on Contender Series. And, you know, I'm not, I, I don't want to overrate, you know, a little 40 second knockout, but dude, like I said on the show, that fucking left hook was one of the cleanest hooks I've seen in a long time. Now, here in his UFC debut, he's going out there head kicking guys and handling people from a lesser regional scene uh, accordingly. Cause, you know, Victor Rodriguez came from that Alaskan fighting scene and no disrespect to them, but they just haven't caught up with some of these better regional scenes, whether, you know, like Yanez was coming from LFA or down here in the South with the NFC, whatever the case may be. Um, I was going to say United States, but, you know, Alaska is one of the states. But what I'm trying to say is like, you know, these developed regional scenes are on a completely different level than Alaska. So I'm glad that he handled that accordingly. Didn't make it sketchy for anybody. So what I want to see is, listen, Yanez is really experienced. I mean, he went out there on the regional scene. He fought guys that are currently in the UFC, like Miles Johns, and went to a split decision with him. So I don't want to take it too slow but I also don't want to rush him into the rankings either. So what I'm thinking is let's have a striker versus striker matchup between Adrian Yanez and Chris Gutierrez. You got Adrian Yanez, who's known for the very clean boxing technique for MMA standards. And then you got Chris Gutierrez, who is the hardest kicker in the Bantamweight division besides Marlon Marais. So you got uh, the puncher versus the kicker. I would be very surprised if either guy shot a takedown. So we would just find out who the better striker is overall. And you got to love matchups like that. So I'm thinking Adrian Yanez versus Chris Gutierrez. Based off the hype that Yanez has, I would have to think that he'd be a favorite here. Maybe 
minus 155, maybe minus 160 in this spot. Um, I'd be curious to see what kind of respect Gutierrez would get at the at the betting window here because um, maybe people are down on him because he went to a draw with Cody Dern, but people don't know that Cody Dern's actually a stud. Cody Dern's no slouch, and Cody Dern presents a different challenge than Adrian Yanez. Like, I, I would be seriously shocked if Adrian Yanez was out here, you know, taking the back of a, a guy like Chris Gutierrez. I think they're going to stand and bang until one man falls or until they get, you know, a 50K uh, fight of the night bonus. So the fight I want to see is Adrian Yanez versus Chris Gutierrez. I think they'd have a nice little stand and bang type fight. And I, I think that's the direction that they should go in. So Sean Strickland, man. Uh, so I had a parlay. My only play on the card was Sean Strickland with Dustin Jacoby at minus 150. I put three units on it to win two. I was very happy with Strickland's performance. If you go back and you hear the Half the Battle episode, what I said was that Strickland's better everywhere, and if Strickland wants to make this easy, he can go ahead and take Marshman down one time. The fight will be over shortly after. But we know damn well that Strickland has a huge ego, and he's not going to make it easier than it needs to be. So he went out there, fought Marshman at his own game, and, and still won pretty damn easily. So 30-27 across the board for Sean Strickland. Good job. Now it's time to fight... Uh, Jack Marshman's teammate, Darren Stewart, who is a very tough out in the middleweight division. Win, lose, or draw. Uh, Darren Stewart is a tough out, man. Like, even the guys that beat him, like, for example, Edmund Shabazian. I mean, he had Edmund on the brink in that third round. Even Kevin Holland, who went to split with him. Like, Kevin Holland had to dig deep to get that dub. So, you know, ever since uh, Stewart's been seeing the sports psychologist, the performances have just been getting better. So, you know, I, I don't want to rush up Strickland. I do think that he's ready to compete with, you know, some of the higher ranked guys, but I just want to give him a slight step up in competition from Jack Marshman. I felt like Jack Marshman was a tune-up fight. Darren Stewart is a real test, uh, win, lose, or draw. So I would favor Strickland there. You know, I, I think uh, uh, maybe minus 185, maybe minus 170. Uh, Y'all tell me if I'm being too harsh, if I should give Stewart a little more respect to the betting window on that one. But I do want to see Strickland versus Stewart because – you know, Stewart's going to bring a little more power to the table than Jack Marshman. Stewart, uh, he just, he just, you know, the calf kicks. He's, he kicks extremely hard. You know, with these tall guys like Strickland, chop down the tree, then go upstairs. I feel like, you know, Stewart does have paths to victory. Stewart isn't easy to take down e either. So that's a fight where it's like the volume and the activity of uh, Strickland versus um, versus the power and the activity and not, not activity in terms of volume, but activity in terms of he's been active. He's been fighting a lot. He's been consistent. So I want to see Strickland versus Darren Stewart. I'm thinking Strickland, a slight favorite, you know, minus 150 to minus 185 or so. And uh, yeah, I think that'd be a very good fight. So Jason Witt, he went out there, he beat uh, Cole Williams and uh, man, he dominated. And honestly, I'll be, I'll be a hundred percent with y'all just like I always am. If you look at the strike count, I believe that Cole Williams maybe threw one strike the entire fight. So, you know, Jason Witt's chin didn't get tested. And I want to see him in a fight where his chin does get tested. And, you know, my good friend Jared Nitrin Gooden is fighting Alan Juban. And win, lose, or draw, because, I mean, I, th I fully expect Jared Gooden to beat Alan Juban. But regardless, he'll only be 1-0 in the UFC, you know, after he beats Juban. And, I mean, we could rush Jared up just because, you know, he's already had 21 pro fights outside the UFC. He's, you know, he went five rounds with, with, uh, Mike Graves who, you know, beat Vicente Luque, beat Randy Brown, finished Randy Brown. So Jared's ready to swim with the sharks right now, but since he's only going to officially be one and no, let's get him an easy, 
uh, path to two and zero, which is Jason Witt, and I think that Jared would go out there, stuff the takedowns against Jason Witt, touch him on the chin, and give him his seventh stoppage loss. So, yeah, congrats on the win over Cole Williams. But uh, you know, I, I want to see. Uh, I want to see. I'm looking out for my boy here. So I want to see Jared Gooden after he retires Alan Juban on the 21st. I want him to go out there and. You know, just you know, two weeks later, get a get a short notice fight against Jason Witt in Vegas. You know, go out there, knock him out in the first round. All of a sudden, we end 2022 and 0 in the UFC. So that that's what I want to see next. I mean, look, there's a lot of fights uh, we can make for Witt, but I got to look out for my own. So Jared Gooden versus Jason Witt, and I think Jared Gooden after he, if he performs against Juban like I expect him to, which I expect him to not only beat Juban, I expect him to retire Juban then I would think Jared would be probably minus 200 against uh, Jason Witt, and there'd be value there. If, God forbid, Alan Juban's able to get past Jared, I think Jared would maybe be like minus 130 to minus 150 over Jason Witt. But I think I think we're getting this dub over Juban. So uh, let's get a second straight win on short notice, back-to-back, go out there, make it 2-0 in the UFC before 2020 is up. That's what I want to see. So Dustin Jacoby, I was very, very happy about this. I bet him here, like I told y'all, you know, with uh, Sean Strickland. Uh, I thought they were, they were the two easiest legs on the card. Uh, uh, there were a couple other easy ones, you know, Hernandez, Yanez, but I felt like I got the, you know, mine were, lo- were lowerly priced. You know, Yanez and Hernandez, you had to pay in the minus fours. I didn't pay in the minus fours. So minus 150 on the Jacoby and Strickland parlay. And listen, Jacoby... We're going to be kind of brutal with who we match him up against. Not not for Jacoby's sake, but for this other guy's sake. You guys already know the deal with Smiling Sam Alvey. Smiling Sam Alvey, his job is to test out the upcoming light heavyweight prospects. And one might argue with me, well, how is Jacoby a prospect if he made his UFC debut 10 years ago? It's like, guys, let's not even talk about his UFC debut 10 years ago. Let's talk about him in a new light. I don't view him as 1-2 and two in the UFC. I view him as 1-0 and oh in, the, in the UFC. I feel like this was a fresh start. And listen, Sam Alvey tests out the prospect. Jimmy the Brute Crew. You had uh, Da Woon Jung. And Da Woon Jung didn't pass the test. Uh, you had Ryan Spann. So all the prospects get the Sam Alvey test. It's time for Jacoby to get it too. We know that Sam Alvey doesn't like to check leg kicks. We know Jacoby just finished a guy with leg kicks. Uh, we know that smile on Sam Alvey's chin hasn't been, you know, it hasn't been getting better, guys. It's been getting worse. We know that uh, Jacoby can crack. But we also know, the Sam Alvey has been in there with everyone. He's as experienced as they get, and this would provide a decent test for uh, Jacoby. So I would actually line Jacoby, you know, around minus three fifty to minus four hundred. Um, I think that he'd comfortably win the fight, but I think that he needs to get one of these kind of fights against like a, a proven veteran, and and that that's the only direction I want to go with Alvey. I don't want to see these Alvey versus Ed Herman or John Vellante or Jake Collier type fights. Fuck all that. That's a waste of our time. We need Alvy to test out prospects. Jacoby's a prospect. Jacoby versus Alvy. And I'm lining Jacoby, like I said, minus 350 to minus 400 in that spot, maybe even more. But but at least minus 350 to minus 400 there for sure. And last but not least, um, Miles Johns, he went out there. He defeated uh, Natividad. And very good job by him because he kind of showed that, hey, even though his first two UFC fights weren't that impressive, he kind of showed Natividad that there, there's still levels to this. You still got to pay your dues. You still got to go out here, get that experience under your belt, get those fights under your belt before you're ready to you know, swim with a guy like me. And, and that's exactly what Miles Johns did. So very, very good performance for Miles Johns. And he's 2-1 and one in the UFC. There's a kid named Hunter Azure who's also 2-1 and one in the UFC. 
both have wrestling backgrounds. So that's an interesting fight to me. You know, both guys aren't exactly the most comfortable on the feet. But, you know, John's now he's coming off a knockout win. Maybe maybe he's starting to feel a bit more confident. Maybe he feels like, hey, now I got the knockout power. You guys know the deal. When these wrestlers get a knockout uh, under the belt, all of a sudden they abandon their wrestling. They think that they're strikers now. So I'd be curious to see if the wrestling would cancel itself out in a fight like that between Miles Johns and Hunter Azure. And if they would indeed go out there and, and stand and bang for, for three rounds. So I, uh, I, I like that fight a lot. And, um, as far as lining it is concerned, because, you know, we do see Hunter Azure as a big favorite a lot. And a lot of people were betting against Miles Johns in this spot. I, I think that Nativity was like a very popular dog along with Feely for a lot of people. I picked against both those dogs, by the way, but that, that's uh, irrelevant right now. So, yeah. So, anyways, I think that Johns would probably be like a minus 130 to minus 135 favorite here. Maybe he gets steam, maybe not. Um, Because you see that dog price on Hunter Azure. I know a lot of people are going to be taking that shot. And I know a lot of people aren't sold on Miles Johns. And I know a lot of people are hyping up Hunter Azure. But like I said, stylistically, I like the fight because the wrestling might cancel itself out. They might have to be forced to stand and bang for three straight rounds. So that's kind of the fight I want to see there. Uh, Miles Johns versus Hunter Azure. Maybe a pick him with a slight lean on Johns. Maybe maybe minus uh, 120 uh, Johns, minus 105 Hunter. Or we can go a little bit up, maybe minus 135 for uh, for Miles Johns or, or something like that. So All right, so that wraps up the matchmaking portion. Now I'm going to answer some fan questions, and then I'm going to get out of here. So y'all uh, uh, go ahead, ask me anything you want, whatever the case may be, um, and uh, I'll be happy to, to answer Almost everything. Not everything, because you know, I know someone's gonna cross the line, but almost everything I'm happy to answer. So Daniel Edwards says, let's cash these bets. Let, let's cash these fucking bets. I got a bet for tomorrow for contender series and underdog bet. And I got a couple plays in the works for uh Saturday night for UFC. So hit me up at bestfightpicks.com. Use my promo code Dan25 for 25% off, or uh use the code Cody25 with a capital C because Cody Dern were sponsoring him for 25% off the VIPs. But Dan25 is only for 25% off uh off my packages at, at bestfightpicks.com. Patrick agrees with me. Father time is undefeated. I mean, what can I say, man? Father time is a bitch, man. It sucks for all of us, you know, especially my boy the Sil uh the spider silva. And I was gonna, you know, joke around and say that Scott Coker's warming up the telephone, you know, getting ready to call up Anderson. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, Anderson Silva versus Melvin Manhoff or something like that in Bellator, but I hope that he uh, goes ahead and uh, and retires. All right, let's see. Golden Cap says Dana White is, is right about your eye hall. Yeah, the stats prove he's right too. He only he, he barely throws, so that's why I want to see him in there with Yoel Romero. Hopefully they don't stare at each other the entire time, man. Hopefully uh, you know, we see, uh, you know, one of those third round knockouts by either guy. Right. So I'd like to see that fight. Daniel says, in all fairness, Silva is better, but youth and durability are a deal breaker. This is the hurt business. Yeah, I can't uh, I can't argue with that. My friend Golden Cap says he'd line your eye hall plus 125 against you Romero. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's fair. But he's but he also says he'd stay away betting wise. I, I completely understand why you would do that. But Matt, on the other hand, says, hey, I'd be happy to put my underdog money on your eye hall. So maybe Matt's uh, buying the hype after a big win. I mean, listen, I mean, he would have a big age advantage here, too, against uh, Yoel. It's just about going out there and throwing. You know what I mean? So that's uh, that's what that's what it comes down to. Marcin says um, he thinks Feely is a better uh, wrestler and striker than, I guess, Billy Q and Tucker. I think that's what he's referring to. He says that. 
he did a pretty good job against Cater, even in the striking. Or no, sorry, he's saying about Ige. My bad, bro. So he's saying he thinks Ige is a better striker and wrestler than Bryce Mitchell. Um, and he thinks that Calvin's one of the best boxers in the UFC. Yeah, Calvin is one of the best boxers in the UFC. That can't be debated. Um, now, maybe he is a better striker than Bryce, but I, I feel like Bryce is underrated, man. I mean, people are saying the same shit about Andre Feely, and Andre Feely didn't exactly light him up, uh, you know, in that second round where Feely won. Uh, and actually, two of the judges scored at 30-27. So, you know what I'm saying? I, I felt like Bryce Mitchell held his own, but still, I, I got to see, uh, see that fight happen. All right, let's see what else y'all got for me. Golden Cap says the fight to make is Mitchell versus Mayweather. I know he's been calling him out. And in an MMA match, uh, Mitchell's taking him down all day. You already know the deal. Boxing, completely different story. Um, let's see what else y'all got for me. Beach Boss says, let's get Cowboy Cerrone versus Anderson Silva. What about Cowboy Cerrone versus Tyron Woodley? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let Cowboy Cerrone get out, go out on a win. And the only reason he'd win is because he'd throw. That's the only reason. He'd actually go out there and throw. So, uh, yeah. All right. Let's see what else y'all got, and then I'm going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. I appreciate y'all joining me. Um, Marcin says, is Strickland undefeated at middleweight? Yeah, he uh, he beat Bubba McDaniel in his debut, and then he just won against Jack Marshman. So I think he's 2-0 in the UFC, and then plus his past career outside the UFC, he was undefeated at middleweight. So he's definitely uh, he definitely hasn't lost at middleweight yet, but it's all about fighting uh, the right guy, you know? So... Taylor says, what's up, Big Dan? What's up, Big Taylor? How's it going, bro? Doing all right. I appreciate you uh, joining me. Matt Drucker says, how do I feel about Natividad versus Pilarte? Um, is Pilarte even with the company anymore? Has he, have they not uh, gone their separate ways? If they haven't, I mean, it's cool and all. I'd personally like to, you know, no offense to either guy, but, you know, kind of feed both guys to, to actual prospects. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it'd be a fun fight. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah, I, I see where you're going with that. Matt also says, my thoughts on Means versus Perry. You know, I kind of wanted to see Bilal get that fight against Mike Perry. I felt like he was campaigning for it. I felt like he, you know, um, earned an opportunity, but maybe they got bigger plans for him. Maybe they can rebook the Brady fight. But I, I like Means versus Perry. I mean, listen, you're not going to get much retaliation from me when you put in a guy like Tim Means in there versus Mike Perry. I mean, these two are going to have a real fight. It's a fucking hell of a fight. So, I like it. I was kind of hoping they went in the Bilal Muhammad versus uh, Mike Perry situation. You know, I am cool with Bilal, so I think that, you know, like I was saying with Gooden, we look out for our own. But aside from that, I love the matchup. I think it's uh, fantastic. I think as far as a line, it might be line kind of close. Uh, don't be don't be surprised if it's line kind of close there. Uh, Warrior says contender series is tonight. No, no, it's tomorrow on Wednesday because you know the elections tonight. You know, kind of they they had some other shit going on. They didn't want to go head to head with the with the elections, so I don't blame them. So tomorrow it's on Wednesday night. Uh, what, yeah, today's Tuesday. Tomorrow's on Wednesday night live on ESPN Plus, and then I think after that they're going back to Tuesday night. Um, but someone correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Wednesday is the official day. I think just for tomorrow because of election. Um, I think that's what they're doing. So yeah. Um, Brian says, you already know about Bruno Oliveira. Yeah, I know exactly who Bruno Oliveira is. Um, man, I will say this though. Bruno Oliveira was going to get the easiest win in contender series history against KB Bueller. Like KB Bueller literally bypassed the biggest ass whooping in contender series history. And he got knocked out in the first round by Tom Breeze. Make no mistake about it. But had he fought Bruno Oliveira, 
he would have got knocked out and not even got a UFC opportunity. So now at least he gets to make that UFC money, you know, uh, probably, you know, have two fights and, you know, get cut. But and it's no disrespect. That's just how I kind of, you know, view his skill set. I'm not very high on it. But hey, listen, I'm not the guy that steps in there. He is. So he can prove me wrong at any point. But you guys know how I feel about, you know, that that Canadian regional scene. Um, they kind of rush the guys. They they don't develop them as well as we do over here. I mean, unless you're Hakeem Duwadu or Tanner Bozer, uh, they, they got a lot of work to do. And KB Bueller is a point in case example of that, man. Like, wow, KB Bueller just, like I said, he bypassed the biggest ass-whooping in Contender Series history, not getting that Bruno Oliveira fight. But now they match up Bruno Oliveira with, like, a dude with a kickboxing background, and he's actually Izzy's teammate. So undefeated in MMA so that makes it a interesting fight and the line was definitely kind of uh kind of got my head spinning a little bit so yeah we'll see uh we'll see exactly what the deal is uh tomorrow you know um uh Bruno Oliver actually beat uh my guy Jared Gooden now I could sit here and make excuses say you know Jared was fighting in the wrong weight class at 185 you know he took a fight against a six foot four guy with an 80 inch reach that he had no business in there against but also I think it was a blessing in disguise because Jared, you know, he'd be over at my house talking about how he can't be knocked out. Like, like, bro, I can't be knocked out. Like, are you fucking kidding me? I cannot be knocked out. And I'm like, dude, like anyone can be knocked out. It doesn't matter who you are. And he officially got stopped, but he didn't, he never went unconscious and he took some serious shots. But more importantly than that, yeah, we know he's got a great chin, but now we know Jared got humbled. So now you see his past performances. He's not fucking around as much. He thought he was untouchable. Now he knows the realities of the fight game. So I think that that was a valuable lesson for Jared, especially moving forward. Now he's on a win streak. Now he gets to fight Juban. So I think that's actually one of, you know, it sucks that he had to take a brutal L, but like it was actually one of the best things that ever happened to him because now he's not so arrogant and now he's fighting in his right weight class. Now he's taking things more seriously. Now he's in the motherfucking UFC fighting a household name. So I think that, uh, I think that it was a blessing in disguise actually. All right. So let's see what else Taylor says. If Adesanya beats Jan Blachowicz in 2021, do you see him being a champ that defends both titles or do you think he's done enough to justify moving on from 185 completely? Um, so very fantastic question. I think it really depends on the John Jones situation. I think that if he beats uh, Jan Blachowicz, well, now you got to defend both belts, but I think he should jump on this John Jones fight. You got to get this John Jones fight sooner than later. You know what I mean? Like we have to see this fucking fight between Izzy Adesanya and John Jones. So that's what I'm hoping happens next. Maybe put the belt on hold for just a little bit. I know the fans don't like that, but guys, let's make an exception. Izzy versus John Jones. Can we maybe put the belt on hold for like a couple months so they can get that fight out the way? And after that, it's business as usual. So Easy says, do you expect Eastern Europeans to dominate the sport in the next five to 10 years? Georgians, Kazakhs, Dagestanis. I mean, listen, man, it's not just about the next five to 10 years. It's what about the past five to 10 years? I mean, everybody knows that the, the Dagestani scene and now you see the Kazakh scene, the Kazakh scene and the Georgia scene. They've been emerging. They've been doing their thing. So I only expect them to improve and to keep producing great fighters and to keep moving fighters up into the ranks 100%. Now, as far as dominating the sport, I like when we talk about dominating the sport, are we talking about like producing champions? And, and listen, I definitely think they're going to produce ranked fighters 100% and guys that go out there and win UFC fights just like they've been doing forever. As far as champions, that's just a completely different level. So we're going to have to find out firsthand if these guys are championship caliber. But, like, for example, Giga Chikazi, Georgian fighter, fighting this week. And I think he's about to go 5 and 0 in the UFC. You got uh, the Kazakhs, like uh, Demir Ismagula. That kid is fucking great 
uh, the Dagestanis, they've been doing their thing for years, uh, for years. So yeah, definitely think they continue to dominate and uh, move up their move their way up the rankings, and we'll see uh, what their potential truly is. Matt Drucker, does Jan Blachowicz have a chance against Izzy? Yeah, of course, he's the champ. He, he, I mean, people counted him out against a much taller opponent who went the distance in a close fight with John Jones's last fight. You saw how Jan handled it. And Jan is consistently underrated at the betting window just because of his past history. You know, some of the fights he lost uh, before he's, you know, before he became Jan 2.0. So I do think that you know Jan's consistently disrespected. But I personally would have to favor Izzy. I think he's, you know, I, I think that he's, you know, in his uh, moment of greatness right now so to speak and i do have to favor izzy but yeah uh, this is a big test for both guys 100 percent moving up taylor says himaya of 2021 i, I listen i think himaya is going to do some big things so I, I can't wait for uh this fight with leon edwards man that fight's going to let us know a lot like people are like oh himaya talked his way into this fight it's like dude i don't i, I fucking hate what, i can't stand when people say shit like that because to me it's like look at his performances and i get it you know john phillips rice mckee gerald okay but look how he handled them compared to how other people handle those guys, right? And not only that, if, if he's all talk, then Leon Edwards is going to come out here and have a walk in the park, right? If it's really all talk, it's all hype, then shouldn't Leon Edwards run through him? But if we see a dominant performance by Hamza Himayev, all of a sudden, not only is he going to be ranked in the top five, but it's going to be like, oh, shit, this guy's the real deal. The hype was justified the entire time. So I like this fight a lot. Uh, I fucking love this fight. This is going to let us know exactly where he is. Fuck protecting the guy. I want to know how good he is. So I like that fight a lot, man. Fantastic matchmaking by the UFC. All right, guys. Anything else before uh, before I get out of here? Uh, y'all done with me? If you are, I truly appreciate y'all joining me on the first episode, first live episode of BFP Matchmaking. Um, going to do this every week after the fight. So this is this is my tentative plan. So obviously, you know, half the battle, me and Shaq break down the fights every single week. You already know that comes out towards the end of the week. Um, and people were asking us to do it earlier. And I mean, we can do it earlier, but like you guys know, there's so many fight cancellations. There's so many last minute replacements, people missing weight, people having weight cutting incidents. They can't show up. We want to make sure we give you the most up to date uh, card because we don't want to talk about, you know, fights that aren't even happening. We want to talk about the fights that happen. So we, if we have to sacrifice a day or two, to, to get you, you know, the best betting show in the world, we're going to do that. So y'all just have to be a little patient, but I truly appreciate all y'all support. Trust me on that. So obviously we're going to do half the battle. And then I know I got to be more consistent with after the battle. I'm going to try to do that. Uh, so after the fights, after the battle, kind of just, you know, like a recap show. But now we're going to be doing BFP matchmaking every Tuesday. Um, might change it to Monday, but every Tuesday as of right now, where I match up the winners from the previous card and give a betting uh, line on each and talk with y'all, take it from there. So we're trying to do three shows a week, half the battle, after the battle, and BFP matchmaking. So I truly appreciate y'all being here uh, with me on this ride. Thank you guys very much. I know we're going to move on to, to, to great things, so we just got to keep grinding these out in the meantime. So I truly appreciate all y'all's support. Um, if you have any more questions, now's the time. Last call, just like last call for drinks. So you guys know the deal. But I just want to thank you guys all for all the support you've shown me over the years and the support you're going to continue to show me. Thank you guys very much. You can follow me at Best Fight Picks. You can get my plays at bestfightpicks.com. Use the promo code uh, Cody25 for 25% off any package or my uh, promo code Dan25 for 25% uh, off the V, uh, excuse me, for 25% off mine. And then also, I forgot to mention this. So 
Manscaped obviously use the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com for uh, 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. That's BATTLE20, all caps. But what I wanted to say was, if you go on manscaped.com and you use the code BATTLE20, you buy something, take a screenshot, and I will match whatever you bought and uh, hook you up with the Best 5 Picks package. So you go out there and you spend 39 bucks. I believe that's what our weekly package costs. I'll go ahead and hook you up with the weekly. You go ahead, you spend 50 bucks. I got you on the next two weeks. You spend 100 bucks. I got you on the month. You spend over 100 bucks. I got you for the rest of the year. So whatever you spend at manscaped.com using the promo code BATTLE20, you have to use that promo code. You take a screenshot, BATTLE20, all caps, manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. And then you show me that you use that. And I'm going to go ahead and match a Best Five Picks package, uh, uh, you know, uh, courtesy of me. So that's that's what I'm willing to do. So y'all let me know. Manscaped.com battle 20. Take that screenshot. I'll match it with a best five picks package. Thank you guys very, very much for your support. Follow me at best five picks. Subscribe to half the battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. Shaq and I'll be back later this week to break down the up and coming card between Tiago Santos and Glover Teixeira. It's going to be a great card to break down. So thank you guys very much. Uh, enjoy the election. Everybody stay safe no matter the result. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.